So I hear you haven't gotten any sleep the past couple There's of days. There's been a shortage of rest, uh, although I did a little better last night. The the wife has had a a uh, appendectomy in the last 24 hours. That, that woman, <laughs> I, does she have any organs left in her body? I'm not well, sure. Well, you know, it's funny. So, and she, she's talked about this like on Facebook and stuff, so it's not like a secret, but she was like, oh, I'm going to take Osimbic. I want to lose some weight, right? So she takes Osimbic, and now I figured out how Osimbic helps you lose weight. Yeah. You, it causes organs to fail. Organs and when you take fa- them out, they're about a pound and a half a piece. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, uh, I think we're rolling and ready to go. Oh, well, so we can start. So uh, my name's Jay. And Hi, who are I'm you? Brian. Oh, and this is the BNA Podcast. Welcome aboard. So we're back, and you're back. Uh, wow. Sorry that you missed our last interview with uh, Mr. Yarbrough. Well, I did my homework, and I, I listened to it, and I think you did a great job. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And we will we will ha- record a completely separate introduction and ending for that show, but we haven't gotten Which will yet. be remarkably similar to this one. It will be very similar. But not similar. the same. Similar. Uh, anything going on this week that you need to lift up before we get to our interview? Um, no, actually... Um, if there is, I've long since forgotten it. I'm I'm now officially overwhelmed by my wife' uh, recovery. So now I'm just going to get her home and tucked into bed with the puppy, and I'm not going to eat out. I'm not going to interact with any of my normal uh, out and about partnerships and meeting Nashvilleians. So no, it's just you know I'm just going to go help my little wife. Well, we're glad. Uh, that I know you it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's a good thing. Yep, she's so, doing great, uh, so I'm happy. So uh, this week we uh, are entering into a conversation with another of the mayoral candidates. This Indeed. is Senator Heidi Campbell, who is um, running for mayor, is also the uh, senator, state senator for District 20, uh, or is it 21? I lose track. I forget. About I think she's 21, and uh, it's, she, it's a great conversation. So we hope you enjoy. It So we are here with Senator Heidi Campbell, who's one of, as I usually say, the 54 candidates that are running for mayor. And uh, welcome. We're glad to have you on the BNA podcast. And we usually start off asking, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up to this point of deciding to run for mayor. Well, really great to be here with you guys. So I uh, never intended to get into politics. Um, I could not even imagined myself in politics. I was going to be a rock star. And um, I had a band that was really great, um, very cliche, right? I grew up in Nashville, a singer-songwriter, had a band. Uh, we opened for Hootie and the Blowfish and the Dave Matthews Band, and we were on AAA radio, and it was really fun, and we never made any money. And so I, in short form, realized that uh, the way to make money was to license music to film and television because um, we recorded some amazing tracks. And I was able to get those on some shows. And then I had a bunch of friends here who had recorded some amazing stuff and were also um, really finding it hard to get by. So I decided to open a licensing company. And as a Sarah Lawrence grad, found myself a little over my head on the business side of things because that's more of a black turtleneck poetry kind of school. I was going to say, there's not <laughs> a strong business department no. there, yes, I don't think. Yes. Yeah. Um, Very few MBAs out of Sarah but, no. but, but you're good with the poetry, though. I'm yes, sure. yes, that's yeah. true. It, it, that does help in, in many facets of life. But in any case, I went to Vanderbilt to get my MBA and fell in love with my husband. And he was getting his JD MBA up in um, Minnesota. So I thought since we're married, I might go up there after I graduated. And I <laughs> uh, had a couple babies, kind of like a salmon, went up north and had a couple <laughs> 
babies and then dragged him down here like we Southern girls do. Yes, and um, and we were building a house in my residential-only city of Oak Hill, and I found out that they were going to be putting this huge shopping mall in the corner of Old Hickory Boulevard and Franklin Pike, and they were going to blast in to the hill. And it was really going to profoundly affect – it was adjacent to Radnor Lake, and it was really going to profoundly affect the environment. And I decided that it, it we had to stop it because we were residential-only. So – I started a little group called Save Oak Hill, and we got little bunnies on the signs, and we got a petition, and we stopped it. And so then uh, we looked around at each other, and everybody said, somebody's got to run for office to prevent this from happening again. And I was the sucker that raised my hand, and that was my gateway drug into politics. And I say that because I'm sure that you guys are aware that once you start to pay attention to what's going on politically, you uh, you get more and more attached, more and more involved, more and more concerned. And um, that's definitely what happened with me. Um, as the, I was a vice mayor and then a mayor of Oak Hill. And as um, the mayor of Oak Hill, I served on the Greater Nashville Regional Council, the Mayor's Caucus, the Solid Waste Board, and the Transit Alliance. And just to give you some timing, this was mm-hmm. Megan Beery era. Right. And, um, you know, I started realizing that we had a pretty bad relationship with the state and that um, Nashville was generating most of the revenue but not getting a lot of – uh, the support. So um, I decided to run for state senate, flip the first state senate seat that we flipped in over 20 years from red to blue. And that was just in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, right around when I think you guys were starting this podcast, right. COVID time. Um, so um, so then I ran for um, Congress last year. And the reason right. I did that is because I was really concerned about the fact that they were taking away representation of Nashville. And somebody had to stand up and fight for it. And I am really proud of the race we ran. We could mm-hmm. not have run a better race. We worked our tails off. And inevitably, um, really, inflation outpaced abortion. Sure, because right. we 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 pulled that, like, right after the trigger ban took effect. Right. And we were winning. But inflation, if you remember. Just um, beat. Yes. Right. And it really took over. And so I lost to a guy who possibly is, you know, a, a Santos light kind of person. Yeah. The Southern Santos. The, the Southern, Southern Santos. Santos. I that's, like that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so here I am running for mayor. So the question might come up, do you run for everything? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't. And uh, I think it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a little bit of apprehension about doing it because of that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what really drives me is, um, is, love for my city. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very apparent to me that we need somebody in this position who not only stand, understands the dynamics between the state and the city, but also has the relationships, because it's very tribal, mm-hmm. uh, to move us forward. And so um, I pulled this race um, before I got in, and I think a lot, because of the name ID that I generated in the congressional, and because I think people trust me and know that um, you know I'm doing this for the right reasons, mm-hmm. um, we pulled really high. And so we decided to get in. And so, that was just a little over a month ago. So uh, so uh, we interviewed your counterpoint uh, counterpart, Jeff, yesterday. And I'll ask you the same question I asked him, which was both of you came in after Mayor Cooper announced that he was not going to run. And can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and what, what it was? You know, obviously there were some people out there that already announced that said, hey, we think we need to be moving in a different direction. Um, but you all kind of waited to see what, what was behind that. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for him obviously, but my, my thought, uh, so 
I'll tell you, I really wanted Bob Freeman to run for this. I absolutely um, love him and think that he would be an excellent mayor. Mm -hmm. And for the past over a year, I've been harassing him and telling him that he needed to run. He had some, um, some considerations, some business and, you know, personal considerations that prevented him from doing it. And he asked me to run. And so he and John Ray Clemens and Bo Mitchell took me out to lunch and said, you got to run for this. And so, um, that's really what got me in. It wasn't so much about um, Cooper not running or running. If if you look at the timing, I mean, gosh, it was five months later that or four months later that I decided to get in. So I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of Cooper. What I was thinking about it in terms of is, you know, what's going to happen with Nashville going forward. And you are going to get a profoundly different result depending on who gets elected to this position. Sure. So, Say yeah. more about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it looks on paper like we're all the same. And when you go to these forums, we're all saying the same thing because, you know, the issues are definitely, um, we're all aware of them. And and we've all identified correctly that the issues are affordability, education, transit. I throw in trash. Not a lot of people throw in trash, but I like to talk trash. We've had a couple. Have you? Honorable mentions of trash. Okay. (laughs) I'll put trash way up there. There you go. There. Um, And um, so we all agree for the most part on the issues, I think really this is a um, an election about experience, character, and temperament. Okay. Okay. So um, <clears throat> you feel you have the experience and the temperament and do that. Now, one of the things I know that's been talked about a lot is the relationship between the state and the city and the fraying of that. And uh, there have at least been some articles that have tended to want to say that you tend to be a little bit more strident in that relationship, whereas some of the other candidates are like, oh, well, we've got to build partnerships and we've got to have, get people at the table and do all of that. How do you think you relate sort of differently than some of the other candidates? Oh, I think that's absolutely intriguing that you say that because, um, you know, I have um, – I have colleagues that in the Senate that mm-hmm. say the opposite. I mean, so Mark Pody and I, um, Mark Pody's pretty far right. He's mm-hmm. a state senator who, um, you know, would say himself that he's far right. Um, we, we spend a lot of time going out to, to groups and modeling civility. Mm-hmm. Um, I passed 87 pieces of legislation with my colleagues. Um, you know, I my whole entire MO is about um, to get back to before we got on here, mm-hmm. we were talking about kind of how the Republican Party has shifted. You know, my grandparents were Republicans, Ronald right. Reagan. It was about civility, hard work, um, fiscal responsibility and staying out of my bedroom. Okay. And, you know, I, I in my congressional race, I got a lot of Republican support and I have a lot of Republican support in this race. So I, I think that if that's a characterization of me, it's an accurate i mean my whole entire thing is about civility and respect and um you'll you'll never find ad hominem attacks or attacks on individuals for me um on on my socials well i don't and i'm not sure that's what they refer to when they talk about it as much i think sometimes it is that you're willing to actually speak in full sentences about the challenges Uh, and a lot of people will talk about you can directly ask somebody how do we go back to the state uh, we had a conversation with candidates about when they changed the relationship with the state and the sports authority. Mm-hmm. Somehow or another, it never got brought up by our city that, well, if you want more authority with the sports, we understand and you have the right to do that. But that also gives you more of an obligation financially mm-hmm. in the stadium mm-hmm. negotiation, mm-hmm. which just didn't happen, right? Is that just right, right? We acquiesced and bowed like we oh so often do. Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to understand that the relationship 
between the city and the state is driven a lot by personal um, vendettas. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. and so I, I, you know, it's n- it's not worth going back and litigating that and, and allocating blame. The right. point is we're, we're where we are with that. Um, but having the relationships, I mean, I love all of my Republican colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't agree on a lot of things, and I think some of their policies can be a little crazy. But, you know, I think it's important to... Um, treat each other with respect. I mean, mm-hmm. that is that is the main thing. And I, you know, I have found, for instance, I go on far this far right radio show mm-hmm. all the time, and I'm the only Democrat that goes on it. Sure. And they really appreciate that. Yeah. We may not agree, but you know, the fact that I'm willing to be there and have a conversation, I think, means a lot. And um, in general, people are sick of the divisiveness and the and the fighting, and I think that's that's what people want. Yeah. So the job of being a state legislator is very different than being the mayor mm-hmm. of uh, this very large bureaucratic institution. Um, how do you see, what skills do you think you bring to the table in terms of, uh, let me back up, because in the sense that, you know, the, the recent Vanderbilt poll that came out that said the majority of Nashvilleans feel like the city's heading in the wrong direction. Um, and... At the same time, at the same time, they said Cooper's doing fine. Uh, But, uh, you know, how do you see, what skills do you think you bring to the table? Or what kind of vision are you bringing to say, okay, this is how we're going to turn or move in a different direction where most folks feel like they're not being alienated uh, at the city level? I think one really interesting thing about interpreting that that uh, disparity in that poll is that really what that's telling us, I think, is that while the city of Nashville generally is heading in the right direction in terms of, you know, our intent um, and these conversations we have about, you know, how we need to, and this is my campaign theme, mm-hmm. be building a place not, are we building a place to visit or a place to live? Right. right. Um, building a place to live. Most Nashvilleans agree about that. Um, that the, the the outward pressure that we're feeling from the state and um, from um, out-of-town developers is something that has, has influenced the conversation. So I think that that is what that, that dichotomy is mm-hmm. about. Um, as far as what commends me to this position, you know, I have been a mayor. I'm an MBA. I know my way around a budget. I've run a company. I, um, I do agree with you very um, strongly that the, the skills you have as a legislator are very different from the skills that you have as a mayor. I think that the vision component of being an entrepreneur, a singer, a songwriter is very important because right now we need to have bold, visionary um, perspective and we need to have the keeping it fiscally responsible, stayed uh, route of, you know, getting the actual daily work done. And that's because on any given day as a mayor, you might wake up and find out that you're dealing with a bombing or a derecho or school mm-hmm. shooting. Or you might need to really get deep into policy and work on something that is more of a long game issue. But you have to be able to, you know, switch hats and meet the moment. Sure, sure. Sure. Uh- have you thought about any, we talk about these things, because we always talk about every mayor, every candidate going back, I've been back here 12 years, every candidate that's ever run for mayor talks about moving the progress of the city to the neighborhoods, moving it out, inclusiveness and all that kind of stuff. And you get the occasional tip of the hat to what that looks like. But nobody really has a plan for what it looks like. Um we have, uh, after, I've been in Old Hickory Village for 12 years out by the lake out there, and it's it's an adorable place. Yeah. And now after 12 years, after we sold off the water company and 
then we became we're still, uh, we're still general, general services, services yeah. but we don't we, but we gave up the water gave it for free basically it's about worth about five million dollars or something and then now 10 years later 11 years later we're going to build a new community center right which we don't need but we're going to build one we need a we could use a new child care center um i don't know i don't i don't ever hear anybody saying hey here's what every district in this area every every council district every neighborhood should have this yeah how do we participate how do we bring them in yeah, I think we need to have an office of neighborhoods, and I think we need to make sure that we're what you're expressing to me can't possibly be mapped out, and it shouldn't be mapped right. out by a mayor because what we need to do is listen. And um, every single neighborhood has a different um, need, as as you pointed out, with you know the fact that you think possibly childcare might be more of a need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one thing to do um, when we're looking at, and by the way, as far as a plan goes, I'm releasing a plan. Um, we're finishing it up, and we should be releasing a full plan um, later hopefully this week. I don't want to overpromise, but <laughs> yeah. we're trying to you know get it together. Um, but um, Education, for example, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I know because I'm in the state legislature that we're not going to fully fund education in, right. in Nashville anytime soon. As a matter of fact, we did worse under TISA than we did under the BUP, which for those out there who don't know what that is, is our new education plan. Um, and um, so since we're not going to do that, getting creative about ways that we can triage the inequity in our school system where you have schools like Glendale near me that are phenomenal because you have all these parents that are putting money into it. So they're practically like private schools. And then you have schools like Bordeaux where you have parent single moms working two jobs, barely making ends meet and her kids hungry. And those are very, very dramatically different outcomes that we see in these schools. We need to put love in to the schools that are having a harder time. And one thing we can do since we're not going to have the funding anytime soon is hire community school coordinators Mm -hmm. and community school coordinators um, works really well. They did. They have had great success in Knoxville with it and H.G. Hill School here where you have a single individual who's hired at, you know, one salary per year. So that's very cost efficient to their, their MO, their job, their day job is to build services around the school from the community through nonprofits, through churches, through businesses. And it works really well because Every school has different needs, you know, so they might need, um, you know, uh, clothes or mm-hmm. food or a dentist. You know, sometimes there's a dentist that will come in. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things dramatically improve outcomes. Child care, yep. you know. So um, so that to your to answer your question about how we focus on neighborhoods and make this make going forward our approach more neighborhood centric um, I, I will have an office of neighborhoods and we will have, you know, community school coordinators for because I think it's starting with school is a great way to do that. And then, you know, identifying what we need in terms of, you know, actually cleaning up our environment. People are really exhausted from driving around and seeing potholes and litter. And it's I think everybody's kind of feeling down about the way our environment feels and looks. And um, I think that a big part of that is going to be not everybody needs complete streets. You know, that works in some places. But, you know, let's let's do what we can in all of these areas to clean it up so that we're feeling better about where we live. Like a mom, you sure. know, I want to clean yeah. up our room. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> clean your room and I, then you can come to the table. Yes, <laughs> that's right. We can make that a thing. <laughs> and we could. We'll, we'll work on that. So I'm, I would make the argument, though, that one of the reasons that folks are dissatisfied with the direction of the city 
has been um, what what some of us often call the unseen hand here in Nashville. So that um, so take the stadium for example, please uh, take the stadium for example. <laughs> but uh, take the stadium. We said when it was first announced two years Actually, ago. Actually, we whatever, said the very first week. The very the, first episode was. <clears throat> Not that long after uh, the NFL draft had been in Nashville in like 2019 or whenever it was, and that when it was. Yeah, but, but the when the when the commissioner or whatever he's called yeah. of the NFL said, if you only had a dome stadium, yeah. this would be a great city for the Super Bowl. I was like, hey, guess what? We're, we're getting go- a dome stadium. We're getting a dome. I mean, we've said from the beginning we're <laughs> Day going. One. We're Very going. To, yeah, yes. we're going to have a Easy stadium, guess. Uh, and yet. There still was a majority of folks, particularly you know, out here in the hinterlands, yeah. uh, outside of downtown, that were like, you know, why are we spending two billion dollars on this when right. we've got homeless encampments and things like that? And so this feeling like um, the the lip service is given towards, oh yeah, we're going to have an office in neighborhoods and we're going to listen and all that kind of stuff. But when the rubber hits the road, it's still the downtown that drives. Uh, everything and you know and David there's Ingram an, singularly decided where the soccer stadium was going to yeah. go. Yeah. Right? I mean, right. yeah. I know the so, backstory on that one really well, but it was like there were reasons he chose it. It was always going to be there. There was not. They did I don't know eighty community meetings. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. said this, and everything happened here. Right. The and same so, thing happened with the stadium. Yeah. So yeah. that that feeling that okay, that's really good to talk about that, but. The fact is, is that, I mean, back to the Watauga Society in this town, mm-hmm. you know, that there are the backroom dealings where this stuff happens, right. and it's going to happen regardless of what we say or what we vote for along the way. Yeah. I mean, how do, how do you rebuild a trust among people to say, yes, we really are going to listen, and you do have power to affect change in this place? Right. That, you know, it's it's the question of the moment, and it's what people are looking at when they, when they are assessing whether or not they're going to vote for you in this race, and I think that's, you're right, you nailed the question. Um, I think that if you look at people's track record, especially when they've been in an elected position, you can get a, a, a pretty good idea of where they're coming from. If you look at my legislation, uh, you know, it's paid family leave, increasing counselors in schools, RTI instructors. It's um, it's about, you know, supporting our LGBTQ community. It's about um, equity. It's about, um, you know, criminal justice reform, gun control. Sure. Um, I am somebody who um, is very concerned about the future of our planet I and, and definitely of democracy in our state. And I think we're in this moment of greed versus good. Um, we can talk about this is like this could be a whole nother podcast and or, or three um, to talk about how we got here. But you know, the Southern strategies, Citizens yeah. United, all of that stuff, right. we are in this moment where our democracy and Tennessee three, who, mm-hmm. you know, I was there with them clearly showed us that we are living in basically a totalitarian state. Right. And so there are big money interests. We've had $50 trillion of wealth migration from the bottom 80% to the top umpteenth of a percent over mm-hmm. the past 40 years. Right. So, I mean, that are you is, saying that trickle down economics didn't work? <laughs> I am I saying I mean, it's that. shocking, isn't it? I will, I will stand on that platform. Darn. It doesn't work. 
Um, so, I mean, I think when you're talking about trust, about whether or not I am going to be a mayor who would actually do backroom deals or be interested in um, that kind of thing, it's important to look at where I came from. I mean, the genesis story of politicians is super important. Mm-hmm. There are people in this race who were involved with making the development deals that actually, you know, got us here. There are people in this race who, um, you know, are very um, corporate centric and came here to work One with corporations. Say, personal benefactors of our <laughs> yes. circumstances. And then there are people in this race who are trying to, to stop a commercial development from mm-hmm. coming into their neighborhood and are concerned about not just the future of our democracy, but something that we never are even allowed to talk to up in the, uh, talk about up in the legislature, which is our environment. Right. Yes. Sure. It's not even a word there. Now, I what- have a Maslavian perspective on um, on politics and society. I think that until we take care of everyone, we're not going to do well. Yeah. I'm going to put a link in the show notes as to what Maslavian means. So I think uh, that would be great. Maslow's that hierarchy our, needs, needs to be our changed title. a little bit. Our, like, our, 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 the Maslavian. It in such a way. Yeah. It's always you a just, pyramid. We exactly. it's, at the end, you're enlightened. And you know how the food pyramid went away, and now, yeah. Yeah. now um, we're fix this one a little. Yeah. So, Again, if we want to get back to Maslow, uh, Maslow <laughs> and the, the basic needs, one of the great challenges we have in our city is homelessness. Yep. Yes. Uh, one of the concerns that I have, and I think one of the great challenges for the mayor is going to happen in about a year, maybe 18 months, which is we've built a lot of infrastructure for our homelessness response, but in other areas as well, off of federal funds, ARP funds, you know, COVID relief funds that are going to disappear in a couple of years. And it doesn't seem like there's any conversation about how do we sustain this stuff when that money goes away. So homelessness is not going to go away in our city. And yet we've only applied one-time funds to this thing with the idea that somehow it's going to fix it and it's not. And yet there's there's no real income stream to be able to to address those things. I mean, how how are you looking at that in terms of what the future yeah. is for our mayor and for that office? Well, investing in the Barnes Fund, um, making sure that corporations, you know, the state, of course, disallows us from entering into agreements, um, development mm-hmm. deals with the um, that are predicated upon some form of affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Of course, of Nat- course they do. Yeah. Naturally, course they the do. state did this, yeah. so um, so that makes it difficult. But um, I've been talking to a legal team who. Uh, are pretty sure that we can do a lease agreement workaround on that. And also, you know, when companies uh, come here like Amazon and Oracle, we Mm -hmm. need to um, force them or make them purchase land themselves. They have employees that are dealing with affordability issues. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the... the, um, homelessness, which we talked earlier, is it unhoused mm-hmm. homelessness? I don't know. Yeah. But the, that issue is we're all just, most of us are just a paycheck away from that happening. And sure. as we know, there can be really um, rapid compounding situations that put people in that situation. And we're finding more and more people are, it's it's a um, symptom of a greater problem, which is that we're not taking care of Nashvillians. Right. And, um, and so I, also, I'll add to this that I, I got an investigation done into the COVID relief funds with, with um, 
um, our DA because I can't count on the TBI because of my party affiliation, so the DA. And um, I'm very, very concerned about how those have been distributed through Horn and and other things. So, I mean, I think there's a lot there that we didn't even allocate, especially in Nashville. Right. But um, that having been said, we have to, um, you know, invest in the Barnes Fund, um, require some component of public-private, a public um, land purchase from big companies, and then also look at employing our public lands for the purpose of, you know, creating ourselves as a Mm -hmm. municipality housing options for people. And on top of it, in the intermediary sense, make sure that our homeless facilities aren't making barriers to entry too too great. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you have a dog or if you have family or if, you know, you work a night shift, you can't can't get um, homeless assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to make sure that we have the intermediary component because, you know, it just gets worse and worse if you're not helping people. Sure. Absolutely. So every candidate has their list of priorities. Um, what what are your what are your uh, say or your top five priorities when, when you come into office? Day one. What are the things that you really want to focus on uh, as you come into office? Well, first and foremost is affordability. Um, you know, we, we can talk about it in terms of you know homelessness, but then also we have people who are just getting priced out, mm-hmm. and and these are my buddies that I was in the music business with that you know are they're leaving can't, town. Yeah, they're leaving mm-hmm. town. This is the soul of Nashville. This is what makes us a great. It's the people here that made this the great city it is, and we're gonna we're gonna be in big trouble. There'll be a tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell might say, mm-hmm. where we'll 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 find that it's not um, lucrative for anybody if this city is not livable. Um, And then, you know, obviously education, transit. Transit is a big one. It's actually, in a lot of ways, my most exciting subject because I have a big vision for that. As I said, you know, we need big visions. I think we should move Radnor Yards Mm -hmm. Um, TDOT did a study of that. And then when you move Radnor Yards out to Wilson County, what happens is that the freight has a workaround. So they, they, they can take their 840, if you will, um, around the city and not have to come through the city. And all these internal lines in the city become available to us for transit. And I say that because I have spent a lot of time looking at transit. And, you know, we don't have the right-of-way, and we, we're on solid limestone, so going underneath yep. not mm-hmm. an option. So looking at ways, the opportunity cost, in other words, of not doing that are so great sure. that I really do think that's something we should look at. And guess what? The price tag on that's about exactly the same as the price tag on the stadium. Sure. Um, and then, of course, the light rail that people talked about that's probably a foregone conclusion from um, from the East Bank to the airport. Um, get the bachelorettes in and get the bachelorettes out. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not to be said for that. Yes. Um, and I served on um, the St. Paul. My very first elected gig actually was in St. Paul, Minnesota, on the district council. I won that election by just a bare margin. I think it was like eleven votes to nine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got my husband's friends to vote for go. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I learned so much because we were doing the planning on the light rail, and when I went back a few years later. All of the areas along the route of the light rail were so much improved. I mean, you know, it really mm-hmm. dramatically changed the life, quality of life for people along that route. Absolutely. I think it's a big deal. I, you know, it's funny. I asked uh, Larry Hagar, now that he's leaving, I'm not going to speak with him, speak about him anonymously anymore. But he was on an extended vacation on the West Coast. And I said, you know, Larry, I'd really like it if you would go ride on one of the dedicated bus lines in Los Angeles. He told me all the reasons why he couldn't do that. 
Uh, he was going to be down by USC, but there's one right next to USC. But the, um, I was on the very first one that they opened in Los Angeles. I was with uh, Miravia Ragosa, who was a friend of mine. And so me and Tony and uh, Xavier Oslowski. And so I'm saying all these things because pe- so many people in Nashville are from L.A. They'll remember their names. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, I remember writing on it and saying to them, this is beautiful. No one will ever write it, but it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, can t- today say that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was so wrong. Yeah. Right? I mean, first of all, these are very beautiful things. Yeah. They did a lovely job. I like buses better than trains. Uh-huh. And the reason I like buses better than trains, only in their own road, not in the middle of West End Avenue. Yes. That was right. a psychotic idea. Yeah. yeah. They could have done it on Charlotte. It would have been built years ago. But yeah. the, but in their own lane. Yeah. Over here in their own place, like where the train tracks are. Right. Great place. That's what we did. It was, they were yeah. all train tracks. Right. Because you can put next to a bus that's on pavement, you put a greenway and a walkway. That's right. And you put grass and you put all these things and you, you, you open up a whole bunch of opportunities. Right. But I have to say the greatest thing about it maybe is when a bus breaks down, you send a tow truck and you put another bus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, so, not so much with trains. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the number one reason. The number one reason is... Uh, fire and emergency can all use those lanes. Mm-hmm. So I was yes. trying to, right. this is during Megan Berry's administration. I was telling her, just go look. Yeah, yeah. It'll work. And yeah. of course, along every one of those stops, massive amounts of development. Right. That have been good for the neighborhoods. Right. Lots of grocery stores, lots of, you know, right. things that so, we actually need. Yeah. And so one thing that you hit on there that I think is, um, you know, as I said, you need bold vision, but then you also need to do the, the, the hard work. Oh. And, and uh, to me, that that's the multimodal connectivity. Right. And, you know, if we can't get to these routes, we can't use them. Right. And you know how it is when you're in Nashville and you're walking along a sidewalk and it ends or yeah. it happens everywhere. We Mine just, ends in my front yard, actually. Yeah, yeah. Almost, right, almost a third of my yard has a sidewalk, and we have really bad yeah. um, pedestrian and and, and um, bike deaths in the city because our, it's unsafe. Uh, five of the uh, five of the worst um, uh, incidents of that are probably within about a hundred yards of here. Yeah. So yeah, uh, right. so it's we, really bad. We definitely understand that out here. Yes. Um, Can so, I ask one more on the yeah. on the staying on the transit thing? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a huge roundabout guy. I love roundabouts. Don't you just yes. love a roundabout? I do. I, I love a good. I love a good roundabout. A good roundabout. There's a traffic right? calming roundabout thing that people are, are doing weird. that are weird. It looks like they just left trash in the middle of the road and you have to dodge it. Yes, like in 12 South. Yeah. Yes. I saw that the other day. It was, but there was a thing. There was a stat about roundabouts that when you put them in, like and like the Eighth Avenue, when you install one, there is a 75 percent decrease in traffic accidents. Really? Yeah. 75 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, now they're not in Nashville where they did this survey. <laughs> we do have different driving styles here. But, yeah. you know, um, I feel like those things, those are the kind of things I feel like can be taken to neighborhoods too, right? It's like you move Absolutely. It yeah. So um, probably the best training I ever had for politics was being the mayor of Oak Hill because it was like a Williamson County School Board meeting every day. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. It was, you know, a lot of people, no entitled people who are angry all the time. And so I made what they thought was a horrible mistake of getting a grant for a multimodal path to go down Franklin Pike. Multimodal means offset from the road. I think that's important because it's safer, right? Right. And um, you would have thought that I was killing puppies. Yeah, I mean, it was like the the weirdest thing. It's really, and finally, somebody said to me, you know what? We don't want the wrong sorts of people coming through our neighborhood. That's right. Yeah, they finally told the truth. They told the truth. And I was... (laughs) I was 
gobsmacked. Yeah. I just, I mean, anybody who looks at the data on on that knows that it makes neighborhoods safer, yep. and it you know increases health, community. I don't have to. I, I'm sure you guys agree that sure. I'm preaching to the choir here, but um, but so you know, it is something that has been driven like so many things in life, and especially in Tennessee, mm-hmm. by you know the wrong instincts, and of course we're seeing yeah. that big time up in the legislature right now. And so I think, you know, that that connectivity is such an important component of, of promoting equity. Is that me? It's somebody's phone. Oh, yeah, it's not me. So the, uh, oh, yeah, it might be you. I wouldn't okay. even cut that out. I apologize to everyone out there. I thought, I, that's, yeah. that's fine. I thought my pacemaker. Could have been my pacemaker. So, uh, again, like. you talked about, I mean, one of the big struggles we have as a city is the, you know, the not in my backyard, the NIMBYism kind of right. thing, which is, so we start talking about affordability. We need more affordable housing. Well, we're going to build a community in your community, uh, you know, and uh, some place that's going to address that. Well, no, we can't have those people here. Not here. Right. Um, the, I've been in our, I've argued for years that we've got to move to a more regional approach in terms of homeless sheltering and response, right. uh, which we can talk about later. But, um, but again, you know, when, uh, Somebody says, we're going to build a shelter in this community. Well, no, we can't have those people here. How do we begin to be a community that does recognize that everybody has a right to be here, that everybody, um, that that we're not going to be the city we need to be unless we sort of embrace racial, gender, sexual identity, um, but also particularly economic diversity. And that's the thing I feel like we don't talk about. We talk a lot about inclusion, uh, in some places, but we don't really talk about economic inclusion yeah. that recognizes we have to have. A, and we have that problem even in our neighborhood where you have people that will go to great lengths to make sure there are no poor people. Mm-hmm. Right. And they spend most of their time on Facebook complaining about the fact that there's no one to work in their yard. Yeah. And so, right. And, right. So, and, and so most of your time in office has been in communities that are, I'll just say it, are more affluent, right. more yeah. kind of satellite around the city. Um, how do you begin to represent those folks in the inner city or say, let's say if you look at um, uh, Senator Oliver's district, which is yeah. basically downtown out through Antioch, right. who really feel marginalized at, at, in a big way by some of the stuff that's happening in the city? I mean, I think that the just like with um, the issue of racism and um, the issue of xenophobia, the answer is to... Um, connect people and to have to read books and to understand people's stories. Mm-hmm. That has been uh, my mission. Um, and I'll tell you, it came up in my city for me with Overton High School because sure. Overton High School is in my city and it is the most multicultural um, high school and has a lot of the um, you know issues that go along with that, which is you know we have a lot of undocumented immigrants and we have a lot of I, I can't remember how many languages they speak sure. there, but it's right. a bazillion, you know, and um, and there's a lot of xenophobia in my city about the the people at Overton. So one of my main uh, things that I did as the mayor was make sure that we got money to Overton for them to um, improve their facilities and that I spent a lot of time at Overton Mm -hmm. and that we did everything we could to connect the city with Overton because you are absolutely right. Our city is almost um, like... 
I love this word antediluvian, and if I could find a different word for it, I would. But it's like before the flood is <laughs> right, what it right. means, and, and it, it's just like so backward <laughs> that we are still in this situation where we're really what you're talking about is segregation, right. and we are an incredibly segregated. We're a red line city, yep. and that's what I was talking about with the schools. I mm-hmm. mean, we have incredible inequity, and so you know that whole idea that we all do better when we all do better. You know, it's not even about being altruistic; it's mm-hmm. about being smart. We're really not going to do well unless we all do well. Right. And we know this because I was just talking to a guy who has downtown hotels the other day, and he was saying that he can't get people to clean his hotels. Right. Right? Absolutely. I mean, so... No, it's a four-hour commute from where they can afford to live. Right. Yes. So guess what? You know, you're not going to be able to get the bachelorettes in and get the bachelorettes out if you can't clean the rooms. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, again, I'm looking through your site here, and... So let's talk trash. Okay. I know you you're, you said you were excited about trash. What do you what do you think we need to think about in terms of trash here in the city? Well, our landfills are at capacity, and this is a regional issue, like so many things. So one of the best things I did was serve on the Greater Nashville Regional Council, and I say that because I worked with Republican mayors, mm-hmm. and you know. I hardly, we hardly ever disagree because when it gets right down to the kitchen table issues and the things like trash and transit, everybody agrees we need to do something about it. And those aren't really divisive issues, but they're regional issues. And so, you know, Nashville um, approaching that, and we have had past administrations that have approached that more in a vacuum, um, has not, I think, been good for us. I think we need to actually work with our, our counterparts and, you know, the surrounding counties to make sure that we have a regional approach to that issue. And trash is very much that way. So our solid waste, we're big trouble. All the landfills around us are, are almost at capacity. Um, and I mean, like, in five minutes from now, like very right. soon. Um, so we have really, um, speaking of L.A. and other cities that, you know, have done a better job with these sorts of things, a very um, backwards approach to um, to reduction and recycling and reuse. I mean, we don't message it. People psychologically feel like they throw their trash away and it disappears. Yeah. We have to, number one, make sure that people have more of a conscientious relationship to to their trash and and recycling is not really happening in a meaningful way. By the no. way, by the well, you we, know. we can't do it. So. I mean, right. I, I mean, I, we recycle, but it's kind of like okay, I'm throwing this plastic in here, but I know it's not going to be recycled. Yes, it's ending up. Yeah, in, yeah. Yes, it right. just goes to landfill. Yeah. But Eastman has this. This is my big bold vision for this. Mm-hmm. Eastman has this amazing plant out in East Tennessee. I've been mm-hmm. talking with them about possibly opening up a Middle Tennessee plant, which is upcycling those plastics into buildables. Gotcha. Yep. Um, because I know from the Tennessee State Legislature, even though I'm running an Extended Producer Responsibility Act bill for the Sierra Club right now, I know that that's not going to pass sure. anytime soon. So we have to look at profitable ways to approach that. And then we have more compostable um, waste in our city than than most other cities. That's a huge part of our waste profile. Because we Com- eat a lot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Compostables are things we can actually address n- without too much expense, you right. know, by having good composting plants. So sure. those are two approaches. And then I want to set up a, a regional waste authority, which we have had, but it's not really, it, it's not a functional one. We need a real functional regional waste authority. Sure, sure. I think that people are actually antagonistic to it. Like the idea of recycling, and in, in, yes. in our neighborhood in particular, there there's a certain political bent in states like Tennessee that recycling is a way of bending a knee to environmental woke oh, really? weirdos. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that's just all part of it. 
Uh-huh. Like know. using pronouns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It's like using pronouns, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the, gotcha. Which, admittedly, yeah. at my age, still sometimes a little baffling, but I do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, so a couple things, because are we about out of time? I wasn't We're almost about out of time, so go ahead. A couple okay. of things. The, can we win Tennessee District 5 without you to run again? Oh, yes. Well, not this cycle, probably. Although, um, my. I mean, if he's indicted, it might help. Well, I think that it's likely, um, and this is just prognosticating, who knows, my opinions just like anyone else's. But I do think, I know that race very well, and I do think that um, that he'll get primaried, or at least have a strong primary opponent. I've been hearing from some people. Um, It's very red. I was told, (laughs) absolutely, with, I believe, pure authority that George Santos was going to run in that district yeah. and felt like he could easily win. Well, he grew up here. You know? He grew up here. I'm yeah. sure. You know. <laughs> um, you know, we would have won that race, too, if Nashville had turned out. Do you know that we went yep. from the last election? We went, the state of Tennessee went from 47th to 50th for voter turnout. Yep. Yeah. And, well, they're hopeless. In Davidson County, it was 38%. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and and, you mean hopeless like everybody feels everybody like Everybody knows no it hope. doesn't matter if you vote here because yeah. the, yeah. the Republican candidate's always going to win in any national election. I, I think that's partially true, but I also think folks just don't know. I mean, they, I mean yeah. you know, so— We're not reaching so, them as well. So in, ex, in example, okay, we've got this mayor's race in less than 100 days. Right. That most folks, no, we're going to elect a mayor someday. We don't know exactly when, but right. we're going to do it. And part of what's happened is with the legislature doing everything they did, that has sucked up the entire yes. news cycle yep. so that it's it's kept the focus off of the mayor's race, also off of those kinds of This races. brings me to the death of local journalism. Right. Yeah. Because local journalism dying in Tennessee has been – that's why I support Steve Cavendish's effort right. to to, to um, refuel up the banner. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I think that would be fabulous. I think the problem that will happen at that point is I have six children. Yes. I know it's irresponsible, but I have a really good job. So the, I have these six children, and I could ask all six of them, one of which has run for office twice, I could ask any of these kids what election is going on in their community right now, and none of them know. My oldest daughter is 45 and an emergency room physician. She does not know who's running in her district. My youngest daughter is 24 and a tattoo artist, very diverse kids, yeah. uh, in Chicago, and won't register to vote until I make her. Like, literally, yeah. I will fly up there and go with her and say, register here to vote. Yeah. Um, there's a complete disconnect. But even with the banner, unless it's going to show up in their Google feed or their Apple News feed on their phone, there is no way to talk to them. Right. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Do you think that this whole Tennessee three thing that happened has shifted that at all? I think it helps the small the small slice of people that know about it. Yes, I think I think it. Would well, you be surprised how many people don't know it happened? I um, I think it does Help. with a certain generation because I, you know it showed up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And it showed it up big time on, on, TikTok. on TikTok. So I think yes, it does help somewhat. But again, the issue becomes on this particular issue, gun control, right. the, yes. the legislature, right. and not the fact that, that you the, know, at the city level, the city level's where we live. Right. Um, and this is really, really, really important. And, you know, we've had um, pro-development mayors going back to Carl Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think folks are at this point of like, man, we just don't, this, this sort of, 
we defer to development all the time mindset yeah. is it just ain't working. Growth, <laughs> and growth, growth. Growth, mm-hmm. growth, yes. growth. And yeah. at what point do we do something different? But but there's just not a lot of conversation because I think folks just don't recognize what's going well, on. Well, and I think back to they're hopeless. You know, that, that yeah. whole thing is part of, of our backsliding democracy and the fact yep. that people are not taking responsibility for democracy because they it's there's a complacency, there's an exhaustion. You know, the chaotic media, Trump had a huge impact yep. on, right. on making us all feel like it was hopeless. Yep. I mean, people are um, people are unhappy right now. Right. So um, this is the time when you get to say anything that you want. This is we're kind of wrapping up here. I ask my last question thing? Oh, you can do that. that. You weren't here last time. I know. I wasn't here last time. Well, go ahead. My wife had an emergency appendectomy yesterday. Oh, my goodness. I missed one of our. Wow. Wow. I hope she's okay. She's doing great. Um, She's got great care. Final question. So what is it, one thing about Nashville that uh, just breaks your heart? And what is one thing about Nashville that brings you tremendous joy? Well, it breaks my heart to see all of the old buildings that I grew up with gone. I mean, I, I don't recognize this town in a lot of areas, and I um, that makes me sad. I have a lot of nostalgia for, for um, a lot. I can't – I mean, they're countless. Like, mm-hmm. Music Row is a great example, yeah. but, you know, it's all over. Um, so that breaks my heart, and I get that, you know, we have also cool things, but I miss, I miss that. Um, what makes me really excited is – um, the te- what we were just talking about the Tennessee three and those kids up at the legislature mm-hmm. who look like they were not going to put up with this because it's banging your head into a wall up there it is a totalitarian environment and it's really not going to change until the people decide that they're going to change it right. and I am so excited to see these young kids who and I also feel like we, we shouldn't ex- you know like they shouldn't be expected to do it but guess what that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So um, they I'm have, excited. They have the numbers. I'm ex- inspired by that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. One, of the th- one of the things we do in our show is that we usually end our time by uh, sharing the restaurant of the week that we love. Oh, and cool. so what's your favorite restaurant right now? Gosh, um, it doesn't have to be your so... favorite. That's not fair because you're running for office. Yeah. What is a great restaurant that you have visited lately that I mean, you I will just tell out? you that Nolensville Road, you, can, you, can't, oh, you yeah. can't go wrong. It's just like there's Adessa? so many fabulous been to Adessa? ethics been to... I have. Oh, yes. We love it. I mean, all Adessa. the ethnic restaurants along yeah. there are just um, to die for. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. And if folks want to know more about your candidacy or you, where do they need to go? VoteHeidiCampbell.com, and my cell phone number is 615-438-6338. Feel free to text me if you'd like to talk about the race. Um, so far, that hasn't been a problem for me. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for being with, here with us. And so uh, We look forward to seeing how things are going to turn out in August. Cool. Thanks Wish so you the much. Best. Bye-bye. I'd go with that. I was going to say, I'm, you know... I'm really enjoying this series. I am too. Uh, it's like really cool to get to number one to get to meet all the candidates that we've met already, and some more coming up. And but, of course, we have our moments when the mic's off where we can be a little bit more in the advocacy mode. Yeah, right. We can talk about things and get some, some a really good feel for people. But I mean, I got to tell you, we haven't had 
you know, nobody has left here that makes me go like, oh, God, I hope they don't win. Exactly. You know, yeah. I feel good about the I think they all got a passion for the city and, and they've got perspectives that are strong yeah. and well thought out. And so some good folks. I've, and today I've, was no exception. I've mentioned it before. You know, we have we do have a lot of candidates, but they're all good candidates. Yeah. And uh, and so that's what's going to make this race tough to figure out what's um What's sad, and I think we touched on this in the interview a little bit, was just trying to get folks to recognize that there's an election. Get people to vote. Yeah, Yeah, well. It's the never-ending problem of—actually, probably the never-ending problem of lots of cities. Nashville is no exception. The, you know, she ran against Andy Ogles in District 5. Right. And as she said to us, but for Nashville showing up, she would have easily won. Right. Had Nashvilleians showed up to vote, she would have won. Uh, it turned out to be a very close uh, vote, and this is an ongoing challenge and and learning how to reach these voters where they are. Social media, um, social media is the right way to get them, and by far the hardest to permeate. Agreed, agreed. And um, you know, I think we just have to help folks understand that. I know when you kind of look at what's been happening in the legislature, and sometimes it feels like. Um, there are these forces that make your vote not count. Yep. They do count. And yeah, a lot. it's important for you to get out and vote. And it's, it's going to be, if if there's going to be a shift, uh, and I'm not, no fantasy about there's going to be some shift in Tennessee to become a moderate place. It's right. not. It's not the kind of state it is. And quite honestly, it shouldn't be. These are very conservative people in the hinterlands and right. live outside the cities. Right. But if there's going to be an equal voice, people in the cities are going to have to vote. And engage. One of the things both uh, both Jeff last time and, and Heidi have emphasized, which I don't think has been emphasized en- enough, is how much Nashville is an economic engine for the yeah. rest of the state. Yep. Um, and so it's one of those things that if we're going to basically fund the rest of the state at a, at a particular level, we need to be engaged if we want to have representation if we want to have a voice because i think we can easily say hey guys you know if nashville fails the rest of the state's going to feel the state it, fails you know and well so- if nashville fails the state fails and i will say one thing that was very interesting cameron sexton the speaker of the house had made a whole big long blather about well we don't want these woke ideas stopping industries from wanting to come to nashville and i want to make something really clear to him the reason they came to Nashville is because it was a moderate to blue city. Right. Right? Right. Now, they didn't come here because it was a bright, blue, shining, you know, like progressive city on the hill. Right. But it is a, it's a blue city. Blue cities are very attractive to corporations, regardless of how, you know, conservative those corporations might be. You think about some of the conservative columnists and podcasters and broadcasters that have moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's really funny because they move here. Because we do have a good tax incentive program through the state and the city, but we also have great restaurants. We do. We have really great theater that comes to town. Mm-hmm. We have the best shows at the stadiums. We have the soccer team. We have the football team. And, you know, they could have moved to Memphis. They got a basketball team in Memphis. They People do. really like them. Yeah. And, but you know what? They didn't. They moved to Nashville. Sure. So this concept that we need to protect corporations from woke ideologies is, um, I don't know, it's, it's frighteningly ill-informed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I don't know. I was really happy to have that conversation with her today. I'm sorry, Miss Jeff. Thanks for covering. And, uh, 
I think everybody's going to really enjoy getting to know another candidate today. I think so. So uh, I'd ask you if you've been to any good restaurants, but I probably it's only been the food court at Summit Hospital. I did go to the food. That's a problem right now, by the way, because they're under construction. Oh, okay. So there's not a food court really. The cafeteria still is there, but it's not really open and running. So... It was a, that that is a tough situation, but it's because they're expanding the hospital, so hopefully sure. good will come from it. But we did have a little McGall's donut thing this morning. Oh, we did. Is it McGall's or McGaws? I don't have any idea. I've never. But so for folks who don't know, there if you've been around Madison for a long time, we used to have Shipley's donuts. Shipley's was Shipley's, all over. which is a chain, a regional chain. But the McGaw family, I always say McGaw. Okay, McGaw. Think. I'll okay. go with McGaw because uh, I don't know the any McGaw better. family actually owned the actual store, Got and it. it was just franchised under Shipley's. And so when their franchise agreement ended, they decided, why do we need Shipley's? We don't. Right. And so it became McGaw's. So, so it went back same to donuts, the original owners. Same donuts, uh, wonderfully handmade, wonderful oh, donuts. It's so wonderful to go they, in there. They are. It's Krispy Kreme back when Krispy Kreme was Krispy Kreme. Yeah. You know, but even better. It's really and, good. And, and we lost Krispy Kreme. So, oh, that's right. This morning we did discover that they have croissant sandwiches and they have this great little, uh, I got a wrapped sort of puff pastry. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a pig in the blanket idea, but yeah. it's really good. Good. Yeah. I, yeah, we, I, I'm not sure that I'm happy to know this. I understand that there are potential physical ramifications from exactly. this being so I close to the office. I could walk there, though, and then walk back. And that <laughs> if would you would be, just walk there and back. That would that would be fine. But there are hills involved, and that makes me tired. Huh. There's a down, downhill from here and then an uphill to McGaw's. Yeah. You know what the problem with McGaw's is? H.G. Hill would have been upset with them because they're on the wrong side of the street. Yeah, that's true. So, well, I think that— Because you said hills. It made me think of H.G. Hills. Yes, I understand. And uh, if you're below a certain age, yeah, if you're below a certain age, you don't know what we're talking about. Exactly. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for this week. Uh, We are going to be interviewing another candidate next week, and uh, hopefully we will have that in your ears pretty soon. I do want to encourage you. um, We we would love for— people to actually listen to this podcast. It, yeah, it's, a, it would, it's a new idea for us, but we're, we've decided to go that direction. Yeah, and so uh, if you can share this on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whichever is your preferred social media, uh, Mastodon or, sure. or is that Blue Sky? Is that the new I one? I don't know that one. But yeah, yeah, that's the new one. Uh, we'd love for you to do that so that um, folks can hear these interviews. We think these interviews are valuable, and we think a lot of folks would benefit from yeah, by them. So agreed. feel free to share. Um, uh, the easiest way is to search for us on Spotify yeah. uh, because our uh, show's hosted through Spotify these days. So, um, But always make sure it's the BNA podcast. The. Uh, d- don't forget the the because there's the BNA a BNA podcast. podcast, but there's not a the BNA podcast. Yeah, it was so funny. So anyway, y'all take care, and we will see you next time. 